backyard brawl lived up to its name. It was a 12-round fight. Now Pip must do what it could not last year, follow up a big, emotional win with another winning performance. Can they rise to the occasion again in back-to-back weeks against the Tennessee Volunteers? We discuss that and more on this week's Hail to Pit podcast. about finishing it in these final 30 minutes? Well, you know, it happened in, it happened in West Virginia where we knocked off number two. It happened in South Carolina, and it's happened in Pittsburgh today. Our guys had a lot of guts tonight. We're just going to keep getting better. I mean, it's just, that's what it is. There's one health game that you will never, ever forget. We shocked the world! Hail to Pitt. Hail to Pitt. This is the week of September 10th, 2022. And this is the Hail to Pit Podcast. I'm Alan. And I'm Vince. Never a doubt in my mind, Pitt won the backyard brawl, sent WVU packing back to the inferior Big 12, and now it is time to lick our wounds from such a vicious scrap and focus on the Vols. Here we are, Vince, in the midst of a season we knew would be full of obstacles, rough, rough outings, but still big wins. And Pitt started off with just that a big old win with a huge moment for the new tommy duhart i don't think anyone's gonna try to be tommy duhart now they want to be mj turkey devonshire yeah 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 a a huge win uh against one of your biggest rivals a battle of unbeaten teams on national television and win in that fashion it it was really something to see alan uh if you watch the post-game press conference from MJ, MJ Devonshire, he was talking about how you know he was watching tapes of old backyard brawls, and he wanted to be just like Darrell Revis uh, with a big return touchdown, and, and he was mad that he wasn't the punt returner, so he, he said, I'm going to have to get the ball some other way and make a big play, and that's exactly what he did, leading the Panthers to a huge 38-31 victory to kick off the season. I mean, what a moment, what a game full of big plays, amazing outing outing from the hot rod, uh, Rodney Hammond, who's nursing an injury now after that, the brawl, you knew you'd have some injury, injury, some wounds, Vince, so looking forward to hearing what the latest is, if there's anything from Narduzzi, but Pat, Pat, Pat stuck to his guns on defense, and while they gave up some big gashes on the, in the run game, they ended up pulling out the victory with a huge defensive play. Man, there's a lot to break down from that game. But, of course, the Tennessee Volunteers now coming to town. What's the percentage rumor on amount of Vols fans at a creature stadium? <laughs> I haven't heard ESPN's latest projections, but until we hear otherwise, I think we have to assume it's 75%. 75% full of Vols fans. Again, just like last week, I guess. But I think Pitt could do it. We're going to have to break it all down here for you, but let's get cracking and carny bark at you. We are at H2P Show on Twitter. If you want to reach us there, and of course, email hail2pitpodcast at gmail.com. Hail the number two pitpodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate all the love we get on those uh, platforms. The emails are great. We love the, the tweets, but of course, we also appreciate you, Panther Lair Maniacs all going crazy for the first game and of course for this show we're seeing some love for the show lately Vince which is always a good feeling 
Yep, yep, yep. We appreciate all the feedback, all the love we're getting, and, and just ready to keep, keep hyping this thing up even more as the Panthers continue on this huge season. It's amazing how people like the show so much when Pitt's winning. Let's keep it up, baby. <laughs> and of course, no matter what happens, win, lose, or draw, we are brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts. You can start your own podcast right now. All you have to do is go to prettyeasypodcast.com, go at, inquire and say, hey, I got a podcast. I got a podcast idea. I need to do a show. Or even if you are already doing a show and you need the production help at an affordable rate, go to prettyeasypodcast.com. Get sounding like a professional podcast. Get all the help you would need so you could focus on the show and not all the other BS like Apple podcast uploads and going into your dashboard and finding your numbers. They do it all for you. And it's so easy to get started. It really is just a visit to prettyeasypodcast.com and saying, what up? And they'll help you out. And they make podcasting uh, pretty easy. Now, some people would say that the WVU victory wasn't an easy one for Pitt. But really, when you break it down and watch the game two or three times, it, it, was, it was easy for Pitt to face WVU, the hard opponent on Saturday, Vince, was the Pitt Panthers for themselves, getting over their own nerves, whatever they were for the first game, for their first brawl. It it was there. It was present, and it was a mental game for the Pitt Panthers that, in the end, they overcame, but it was a close cigar in that in that regard. Yeah, yeah, a, lo- a lot of sloppiness uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Alan, and we'll be breaking this down here, uh, but, but to – to quote some, something you like to say, I think that was more us playing bad yes. than, than WVU playing good. Absolutely. Overall thoughts, though, of that game. The pick was the moment you called it. Who will be Tommy Duhart? Who will be that player that steps up, comes out of nowhere? MJ Devonshire gets that interception, but it was not the first drop for the Mountaineers that day. So, it it was it was bound to happen and in a clutch moment like that pretty pretty beautiful to see one of my favorite brawl moments of all time yeah yeah i mean that was just uh uh j- just something you know pit had the momentum tie in that game uh late in the fourth quarter uh after a long touchdown drive uh capped off by that abana kanda touchdown and then it it just felt like you know pit was going to going to make a play there they, they were they were going to stop him one way or another. I didn't see it being a, it being an interception return for a touchdown, uh, but yeah, they were able to make the huge play, capitalizing off, ca- uh, capitalizing off a mistake that West Virginia made uh, uh, on the on a, on a drop pass. But uh, I will say West Virginia made very few mistakes in the game, and, and to see Pitt you know really capitalize on that one uh, was just something to see, and the place just going absolutely bananas. Yeah, they they did not make the they made the timely mistakes, the ones that really hurt. <laughs> That's what they did. I don't. They should have just kept running the ball at the end of the game. There, why not? Just run it. <laughs> make the cutback with a tight end running back. You're gonna get foot fifty yards per run. I, what was he averaging? Uh, that was crazy to see how Pitt's D line and linebackers just could not handle the w, WV running game at times, but. Maybe that was the 75%. Maybe that was the the atmosphere, a creature stadium, Vince. Maybe the brawl, the brawl aura got to the linebackers, especially when it came to the WVU run game. Because 
I couldn't. I can't explain it any other way. It's it's amazing that you know the largest crowd ever to witness a sporting event in the history of of, of Pittsburgh, and it was seventy five percent people from an, another state. Yeah. <laughs> 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 pretty amazing uh but in all in all seriousness to me uh how many west virginia fans would would you say were there maybe ten thousand at most i don't think it was that large a number no it wasn't overwhelming it wasn't this kind of ordeal where you're like man this is annoying how many of them there are uh, we sat in a section where i don't feel like we were surrounded by any means there were a couple sprinkled but you know they showed up just as any other school's fans were would show up uh, for a big football game. It wasn't yeah. anything special in terms of the presence of the op- opposition in that game. Yeah, I mean, if you looked at the home side of the field, I don't, I don't think there were hardly any. Uh, uh, you know, maybe you know on the on the away side, certainly in the upper deck, I think there was a fair number, but but overall, not that many. And I, I'll go out and say right now, I think Tennessee's going to have more fans this week. Wow. Than, than West Virginia had uh, yeah, th- those people from Tennessee. They don't come north very often. And I think they're going to be trying to make the most of this opportunity. Yeah. Big opportunity for them to see the north of the country. They're they're going to be making it a whole weekend and we're going to welcome yeah. them with open arms because that's the kind of fans we are at the University of Pittsburgh. But, you know, WVU's presence there was enough, I think, to make it a special atmosphere at least that felt yeah, that's like true brawl. yeah <laughs> there, there were enough of them to make it feel exciting you heard some cheer cheers when they did well and of course it was loud when Pitt did well so awesome to see the brawl back most of all and more importantly that Pitt won the first one back in such stunning and exhilarating fashion yeah I it's I don't know if we should be playing that game the first game of the season. Yeah, maybe not the first game <laughs> of the year, but definitely every year. But I do kind of like it because we won. So yeah. so maybe we should play it. The, it. But, I mean, based on the schedule, it will not be the first game of the year. It's just so tough to play in that kind of kind of situation. You know, Maybe the fact that Pitt was, was the favorite in this game, maybe that had something to do with them playing a little bit tight. I don't know if we're, we're going to break it down well, here. Yes, let's uh, do it. Because uh, the, yeah. the guy who was tightest, I thought, was the Slavis. Keen Slovis, <laughs> the quarterback for the Pitt Panthers, making his debut, transferring from Uf- USC, and he took a ton of sacks. What did he take? Four or five, five sacks? Five sacks in the game took the sacks because he was so tight. I think he was so deathly afraid of throwing that horrible pick. Which he did not throw. He did not. And the most impressive of all, you could say they were kind of modest numbers for today's uh, football. You know, only 300 yards. (laughs) And, you know, he had uh, the one touchdown pass that was mostly the other guy just catching it and running a lot for it. it. Uh, But great read to get it to a Banacanda. But the fact that he didn't throw the picks and he, he took those sacks instead, but more importantly, on the drive when Pitt needed it, needed to move down the field, needed him to just pick them apart, he did it. It was beautiful to see that drive on the Abana Canada touchdown. Unbelievable. Yeah, a, a, a long drive. What was that? You know, 80 plus yards uh, on, on that final drive when they needed it most. Uh, Alan, uh, it, you know, talked about only 300 yards, only one touchdown, but, you know, there were. There were a couple drops in that game too. Uh, uh, you know, Bub Means dropped a huge deep ball uh, that would have been a you know a, 
you know, 50 plus yard gain, if not a touchdown. Chalk that up to, to it being the brawl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, I think he, uh, you know, Slovis, I mean, I, I, I thought he played fairly well. We talked about the sacks that he that he took. Uh, a coach addressed that in the press conference this week, Alan, and he said that some of those sacks were on the receivers just not getting open properly. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I uh, watched one, the tape. I'm going to say maybe maybe on two of them at most. One, but one I saw I, some open receivers. I, I think you might be right there. One thing I will say that I thought was interesting, Alan, was uh, so uh, you know Carter Johnson, uh, the backup tight end, in the hospital for an illness uh, at you know middle of the week. So instead of having Gavin Bartholomew out there the entire time or another backup tight end. They used offensive linemen as extra tight ends uh, or a fullback, uh, an H-back type situation. Those guys aren't going out for passes. Uh, it seemed like there were less guys in the roots uh, a lot of the time. So I don't know if uh, you know more or less guys for West Virginia to cover. Maybe some of those were just covered sacks. Uh, either way, Slovis has got to get rid of the ball. Uh, throw it away or something. Can't, you know, can't take some of those bad sacks. Uh, but he did seem to do better as the game went on. Uh, uh, some notes from that Chris Peak provided on Twitter uh, of Panthalair.com. Uh, I, I like this one. He was 18 uh, 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 in the shotgun formation. 18 of the final 20 offensive snaps, which seemed like where he was doing most of his damage. Uh, yes, he did take a bunch of sacks out of there, but you know, 12 of 15 uh, for 200 yards in that formation. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, Allen, uh, going from under center to uh, to the shotgun as far as passing. I, I'd have not gone back and reviewed all the tape from Southern Cal to see how he was lining up there. Uh, I think this had more of an effect on the running game uh, yeah, the, the formations, which I'm interested to hear your thoughts on. But uh, but overall, it seemed like I think he did get more comfortable as the game went on, which maybe is to be expected for you know a first time uh, starter with a new team. Yeah, and we're seeing the new system, the new formations you, you allude to there, Vince. And, you know, as opposed to what Whipple was doing, I think uh, with maybe some confusion before the the snap this was more of kind of just line them up and and try to go bowl them over and asking the offensive line to do a lot so they uh were given a big task and you know the the run game was pretty good it it, it really saved pit and steadied the ship when wvu was making some big plays uh but overall uh controlling it on the ground pit may you know they left a little bit to be desired and I think that's uh, where maybe the offensive line getting more comfortable with what they're being asked to do and uh, maybe having all their personnel out there and available or you know at least more than one tight end yeah will be, I, a, will be a good thing I, and I don't know if it was running backs maybe not hitting the holes that they were supposed to uh, certainly Rodney Hammond had a huge game uh, several big plays but Israel Bonaconda maybe not uh, not the performance that we were expecting from him. Yeah, he did have the big touchdown catch, but uh, the rest of the game did not have those huge runs. And I, I wonder if it was just maybe not seeing the holes, you know, running out of out of a out of uh, an under center eye form eye formation as opposed to a to a sidecar 
uh, in a shotgun situation. So I, I, I think there's some, some adjustments that need to be done there. Uh, you know, uh, we'll be talking about the game this coming week. Pitt, uh, towards the end of the game last year against Tennessee, was very successful running the ball and running out the clock. Uh, they're going to need to be effective again if they're going to hope to pull out a victory. Yeah, the Signetti offense came out there and was it was effective and it made some big plays in, in moments. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still I'm still. Uh, on the fence about whether or not it's an upgrade or what from last year in terms of scheme, what do you think it's going to look like? There'll be a lot of under center this week. I, is, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think we uh, we're certainly going to need to see more tape for sure. I wonder what, uh, <laughs> what the, what the thinking was there. And I love running from under center, but it was a uh, interest and throwing from under center too. But if you're going to, it was just very predictable when they would go well, play action. Which, yes. which is what they were trying to do. You could tell early in the game. So I, I just look at it. If you have a, a talent like an Abanaconda, you're trying to get this guy out on the edge as quickly as possible. And, and that just did, that just did not seem to be his running style. Yeah, I, they're I, asking I don't know. him to go inside too much. Uh, you know, uh, Gabe Hoy did not play uh, in this game. Uh, you know, on the, on that right side, Mac and Solvis, he kind of struggled a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, you had some, some, some new guys in there, you know, rotating, you know, offensive linemen, you know, maybe there's as a tight end, maybe there's more stacking towards that side or something. I, I, it, it yeah. And, and let's, uh, West Virginia has got a pretty good defensive line. No, no doubt about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, this was going to be a, a, a tough challenge, uh, tough sledding running against these guys. And, you know, while Pitt did not do hor- do great, uh, I don't think they did horrible, but they're, they're going to have to improve. Yeah, for I think just for the offense, they did it. But let's hope that Signetti's not trying to put a square peg in a round hole and yeah. really trying to go under center all the time because that's what they want to do when they're just no good at it. But we're not going to take the judgment. <laughs> on it just yet it is the first game and they did have a quality opponent on that part of the field so uh just one thing to keep an eye on from that game overall though offensively uh total passing grade for me for a bit for game one in that atmosphere i mean there it could have been a lot worse they could have been a lot sloppier it could have been wvu was sloppy on offense on their side they had false starts Maybe it's because they only had seventy five percent of their of the stadium full with their fans. I don't know. Uh, they had drops, um, but they did go out there and they ran all over the Pitt Panthers. My goodness, yeah. Yeah, how yeah. the hell did that happen? <laughs> Watching it back, it just looked like overrunning the play and just leaving wide open cutback lanes yeah. there it's, for everybody. I, I give credit to C.J. Donaldson, uh, running back from West Virginia. He, you know, when those lanes were there, he found them. Uh, and he exploded through them. Uh, so, so give credit to that guy. One uh, tough hombre. Quick, yeah, real quick on him, uh, Vince, the tight end, C.J. Donaldson, who's West Virginia's best running back. My cousin, Zach, who's a freshman at WVU, took the loss graciously, wanted me to tell every, everyone, he's in my business class, which he said about 600 times this weekend. What, co- what, kind, of bi- what kind of business? Uh, it's not the business of winning, I'll tell you that. <laughs> We'll have, to, we'll have to investigate that a little bit further. Um, yeah, I, I like what you said there. Overrunning plays, uh, yeah, yeah. Bangley, Kamara, Shane, Simon. Uh, you know, the, 
guys that you know played more in this game uh, in one single game than they have you know any other game of their whole careers. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of rotation uh, uh, on those linebackers, and it seemed like those were guys that you know just did not uh, you know just like you said overran the play. Sometimes and maybe it wasn't uh, you know defensive linemen you know like sealing the the edge what they had to or what but it seemed like there were there were too many missed tackles and too many overran plays for me and I I'm I'm hoping that that was just uh, just uh, just you know shaking the rust off uh, so to speak for for a first game I mean I just don't see how that continues knowing who Pat Narduzzi is and his yep. focus on the defense so. Not too worried, but it was alarming, and uh, I, I really, I really have no explanation for it other than maybe it was a bad day, or like you said, just new to playing that much for Kamara and uh, Simon, especially. Although Simon, I, th- I thought, I thought both of them had had some, you know, bright spots. Simon had some mm-hmm. big, a couple big plays. Um, they did have an injury on defense to Deslin Alexander. How that affect the run game? I'm not so sure that much john morgan was out there uh playing pretty well he made all the big plays yeah and the pressure was there too from the d line i think when they needed it uh what are you going to do when you get to the quarterback and dying quails are in the air and they get caught by the opponent still yeah that that was a little alarming that uh pitt didn't pick off a couple of those that that probably should have and even more upsetting that west virginia was more aggressive and and, and caught those balls that, that's just the what happens though when you've got a bunch of? I mean, does Pitt have a, a DB over six foot one? Yeah, yes, six foot. Do. <laughs> do they have someone who could compete with a six foot three guy for a 50-50 ball? Well, you got to get you got to give some credit that at Bryce Ford Wheaton, we talked about him uh, on credit the show to him last for dropping week. that pass, <laughs> but also making that big catch. Yes, yeah. yeah, he he made some he made some big catches. He was a tough guy. Uh, to deal with, no question about it. And yeah, Pitt's going to be facing that this this week against Tennessee. Some big receivers. Uh, it's it's going to be a challenge again. Uh, it, uh, JT Daniels, uh, he was getting rid of the ball very quickly. Uh, so it's not like he. Yes, WVU did take some shots downfield, but not that many super deep shots, from what I could tell. Alan, I, I haven't combed over the stats like you have. But uh, that's the way it seemed like to me. In a pit, uh, maybe not as much pressure as some would like, but I think he was getting rid of the ball very quickly. Yeah, he was, and he took a couple. But yeah, the the shots that they took were when they were kind of near the red zone and looking to yeah. get into, just fade faded into the end zone. They were they were attacking AJ Woods down the field a lot, but it weren't they weren't deep balls, and um, eventually Pat makes the best call of the game, I think, and kind of replaced. Woods uh near the end of the game and well, he actually stopped getting abu- abused. Yeah, he actually came out uh early in the second quarter, Alan. Yeah. And uh, you know, Rashad Battle was in there, obviously MJ Devonshire. Much taller, much uh, taller and uh I guess more aware cornerback. Yeah, maybe <laughs> more aware maybe more awareness. Uh yeah, hard, hard to say. Um and and Marquez Williams, you know, I thought he did a a, a pretty good job playing most of the game. The cornerback on the other side, uh, and he caused that huge fumble uh, in the game. So, uh, yeah, we knew they were going to be tested. Uh, they're going to be tested again this week, uh, you know, for sure. Uh, and and it, I think it's going to be a little bit different uh, of, of a challenge uh, this week. But 
uh, the secondary, I don't think it was horrible. Uh, there's definitely some room for improvement for sure. No, I mean, they played a, they, that secondary played exactly how a Pat Narduzzi secondary plays. Uh, and actually, I'm I'm happy with their game because what were they called for an interference wise? Like one one PI, maybe one rough one was the touchdown where he's playing press again and just leaving a guy out on an island unnecessarily against the guy who's at least five inches taller than him. It, it, hoping to get the pressure, I guess, but still when you're that close to the end zone uh, and they could get the ball away quickly, they proved that. I don't know. Maybe they were loading up at guys at the line of scrimmage to stop the run because they couldn't do it. But that was kind of questionable on in terms of defensive play calling and personnel choices, too. Yeah. And, you know, just overall, I mean, there were some, you know, some unfortunate things that happened. I mean, Pitt had, you know, WB a couple times uh, third and long in their own end, and they end up converting. Uh, there was that one taunting penalty by Haba that gave him yeah. a first down which uh, was and, I, and they eventually scored on that drive that yeah. we talked about the one where it was a you know just a, a tipped ball up in the air and the West Virginia guy was the only one that went for it uh they end up getting points on that drive uh so you know there were a couple there were a couple you know fine line moments that uh you know if they would have went the other way you know maybe you know this game isn't as close yeah my favorite call of the game was the um uh, illegal blocking on the cornerback. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Did you watch that back? It was ridiculous. I, I, I did, and I'm not. I'm still not quite sure what. I don't know. <laughs> guy falls. A guy trips over him. And they're calling it an illegal block. It made no sense. Some questionable refereeing in that game, but I'm not going to complain about it. It didn't. At, in the end. In the end, WVU made up for it by dropping a pass and also targeting players at the worst possible time yeah, yeah. with legit targeting. So uh, the refereeing the, was, you know, a part of the game, but overcome, I think, by Pitt a little bit. Um, special teams wise, Pitt has a block, a punt blocked uh, with their goofy looking Australian style punting system, uh, which I'm not a fan of. Um Especially a guy in his first ever foot, his first football game ever was the backyard brawl. He's got to be the only human who could say that. Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, just uh, a rough, r- rough outing there. Um, and I think he learned pretty quick. Like, only take three steps and then get that thing out of there. Sam Vanderhart kicked the ball quickly. That's that's what he learned in that game. Uh, ben Sauls, though, he he kicked the ball efficiently. Yep. Yep, made all of his kicks, extra points, a, a field goal. Uh, can't uh, can't complain too much about him, and I, there weren't really any real shaky ones from what I recall, Alan. Unlike last year, where it was just you, you never knew what was going to happen. Yeah, it wasn't that kind of adventure in this first game. So all around, top to bottom, first week as usual, things to fix, things that looked pretty promising, and uh, things that Pitt needs to really quickly fix. For Tennessee, Vince, because this is a team coming into town that is not like WVU. They're not full of full of a bunch of guys that are going to be uh, dropping passes, uh, jumping, you know, false starts, 
This is a team that's uh, really coming into its own as they try to gain respectability in the SEC, a team that definitely could have beat Pitt last year if it weren't for one Kenny Pickett. Yeah, yeah, a, a tough ball game uh, down in Knoxville last year. Uh, this year, the Tennessee Volunteers coming in uh, to Heinz Field 1-0 uh, after beating Ball State uh, in their, their, their first outing uh, that last Thursday night, 59-10. to that's that's how bad they beat him out. Fifty nine to ten. That's a they Molly beat Ball State. Uh, Hendon Hooker four total touchdowns uh, on the game. Uh, two rushing, two passing. Uh, getting it done on the ground a lot. Uh, three running backs had over over ten carries. Uh, so getting a lot of a lot of guys involved. Uh, we know about their their big receivers uh, that they have led by Cedric Tillman. Uh, it, this is going to be a battle for sure, Allen. Uh, but uh, history may be on the Panther side a little bit. Uh, the past two meetings against uh, Coach Heupel, Narduzzi's defeated him, uh, two and one against him. Uh, Hendon Hooker, they've played him the last two years uh, against uh, Tennessee when he came in for a lot of the game and against Virginia Tech the previous year, uh, and Pitt beat them both those times. Uh, Hooker. So, you know, a lot of people are talking him up. A lot of people are saying he's going to be a, a, a huge, uh, a huge difference maker, not just uh, in this game, but in uh, in SEC play, Allen. Uh, but the Panthers have found a way to handle him. This is a quarterback that they that they know how to beat. Oh, for sure. There there's a lot of good players on Tennessee's team, but Pitt's beaten them. <laughs> and they and some some of them they've beaten when they were at other schools, too. Um but this is a team that I think is much, much better than what Pitt saw last year in terms of, uh, yeah. you know, when you're talking about experience and being a collective unit. Remember last year, they're co coming into that game. Tennessee had a lot of transfers coming yeah. into the last season. So now also it was only yeah. it was only their second game in that yeah. Josh Heupel system last year that they, they got a whole year under their belt. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot was made about Hooker, you know, came in midway through the game because uh, Joe Milton ended up getting hurt and Milton missed a bunch of open balls. Uh, but, you know, Hooker missed some, too. And oh, he also yeah. threw a, a, an interception at the end of the game that iced it. So, uh, yes, he did play good, but but not good enough. No, no. Last year, it was funny to watch Joe Milton try to throw the ball against Pitt. Uh, Hooker came in. He wasn't that much more impressive, although a lot more efficient, um, but and made it a game. Uh, but Pitt in the end last year, yeah, the defense stepped up, made the big plays, timely big plays like they did all year. Uh, there was a trick play also. Jared Wayne threw a touchdown mm -hmm. last year uh, in this game. So Pitt coming into it, uh, very much the same philosophy, a little bit different personnel, but I think the same game plan, right, going up against them. You want to force Hooker to be throwing the ball, not running it on you. Uh, you know, I think these are, man, tougher receivers than last than last week against WVU. But guys, I think Pitt secondary can handle. They could go up, press them, and hopefully give some time for some pressure this week. Well, I'll say this, uh, you know. There, there are going to be receivers running wide open in this game at some point. Uh, it's just a matter of if, if Hooker is going to hit them or not. Yeah. Uh, if, if you look at uh, if you look at the stats uh, from the game last year, and I, I don't have them in front of me at the moment, but uh, 
there were some big QB runs, some big scrambles by Hooker and Milton in that game. Yeah. I, uh, probably most of uh, Tennessee's rushing yards came from the quarterback position. Yes, uh, sir. You, you For 103 yards combined last last yeah. year. When, when you get this team in third and long, you, you can't give up those kind of big runs. You can't give up those easy runs, Alan. You got to you got to make them earn it. Uh, on a big pass, and, and I, I do think that there are going to be times uh, in this game where there's going to be uh, s- some receivers left in, in one-on-one coverage down the field, uh, and and he's going to be throwing it up, and you're going to have to you know hope and pray for uh, an incomplete ball with no penalty. Yeah, that's going to be uh, definitely happening in this game. But one one thing also that I need to note is last year, Pitt, their defensive philosophy, same as this year, but they also had another aspect of it, and that was change them up, line change. It was like a hockey (laughs) team with how many players were coming in and out uh, playing linebacker and in the secondary and on the defensive line. And they still have a little bit of that going on, but at linebacker, especially last week, Vince, you brought it up, uh, Kamara... Uh, Dennis and Simon were in there most of the time, so I'm going to be interested to see the gas tank for the pit defense against this team because they couldn't be worn out by Tennessee no matter how much Tennessee tried to run around and and get those kind of loosey-goosey plays with the quarterbacks moving around and taking deep shots. Uh, When you play that way, you could wear a defense down, but Pitt was ready for that personnel-wise. Are they prepared this year for that? Are they deep enough, or are they going to be able to just stick with a lot of the starters in there for the entire game? Uh, Well, I I think they're going to have to make some some personnel changes throughout the game. A coach kind of alluded to that. You know, he's talked about the the, the tempo that we expect to see. Uh, You know, guys like Brandon George, who's been banged up, didn't play last week. Uh, Guys like Taylor Wiltz, linebacker from Bro Bridge. He barely got in the game, and coach called him out saying that he he probably needed to be in the game more. So yes. I, I Solomon DeShields did not play a ton. Uh, I expect those guys are going to be in there more for better or for worse uh, it, th- this week. Uh, that defensive line, though, uh, I, I think the rotation there is going to be critical because last year Pitt was able to get a tremendous amount of pressure on the quarterback uh, on uh, whether it was Milton or Hooker. And, you know, they they like to have those those real, you know, deep routes and, and those need a little bit of time to develop. So I, I expect uh, the pit defensive line is going to have opportunity uh, to get to the quarterback and, and, and rotating those guys is going to be critical. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I, I would declare is the biggest matchup of the game is uh Pitt's D-line showing up and making life hell for Hendon Hooker because that is a quarterback I think if he's comfortable throughout the day can beat you for sure uh, yeah. a lot of people call him an underrated quarterback uh in the country but he has a lot of experience I think he's dangerous um so hopefully the D-line shows up hopefully Pitt fans show up make it a great atmosphere like it was last year in Tennessee Amazing to see Pitt playing in SEC atmosphere. So I'm hoping that we reciprocate that, show them some SEC hospitality when they come to a creature stadium, Vince. And then Slavis versus this defense with his running backs. Who will he have available? What's the latest and what do you expect? Because I'm hoping for uh, an efficient game the same way, but just a little less taking the sack, a little more getting rid of the ball, either throw it away or tuck and run if you can i'm just hoping 
not to be losing so many yards on that scramble. And I think Slavis is very trustworthy with the ball in his hands when it comes to turnovers so far, at least. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and he, I, he's going to have to make some plays. I think they're going to have to, uh, you, you know, regardless, I'm not saying it needs to be some quick strike offense, but they are going to need to score points in this game in order to win. Uh, it, it would it's be a Josh Heupel team. You need yeah. to score in the 30s to beat yeah. one of his teams. And yeah, the past two times Pitt has, has beaten him, they've had to score a whole hell of a lot of points. Um I, I, it would be really nice to have Rodney Hammond this week. It does not sound good uh, from what we've heard. So that means, you know, Israel Bonaconda, he's going to he's gonna have to be the man. Uh, we talked about the improvements we'd like to see in the running game there. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, Vincent Davis backing him up, maybe Sebo Feinmeister backing him up. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to see what, what the running back rotation looks like. But I, I do want to see uh, a lot more passing this game. And I, I think Pitt can, can take advantage of Tennessee here. Uh, Tennessee, their defense, not, not great. Um, aver- average, I would say, uh, yeah, 10, I think we had a much tougher challenge against West Virginia last week. Uh, Tennessee, t- uh, in their game against Ball State, uh, not a ton of pressure on the quarterback, Allen. Uh, Ball State threw the ball 43 times. Uh, Tennessee did not sack him at all. Uh, the, their quarterback, um, and not to say they didn't get any pressures, but I think I only counted two tackles for loss in the entire game. Uh, so uh, uh, this is not your, this is not a you know an LSU or an, or an Alabama or Georgia defensive line uh, that they're going to be facing. So uh, I would say you know especially without him, and you know maybe you're throwing the ball a little bit more. You got you got to get that Bartholomew guy involved a little bit more, and the receivers got to make the big catches. Uh, when counted upon. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Slavis is going to rely a little bit more on that Bartholomew, man. I cannot believe that was the bit, maybe the biggest shocker of that game, besides obviously the Rundy, that, that he was, th- I think, thrown to one time, and it was a great catch. Did he yeah. even target him more than once? Uh, I, he, he did not play as many snaps. You know, coach said he didn't want to wear him out, and I, I, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, but uh, yeah. I think I think he's going to be needed heavily th- th- this week. Uh, you know, he he is too much of a weapon to have on the sidelines, for sure. Especially against a team like this that is probably going to rely on uh, their their coverage a lot. So they're going to be focusing on stopping Mumfield. Stopping. They know Wayne's dangerous at Tennessee, yeah. so uh, maybe getting Bartholomew involved, throwing down the seam a little bit. Uh, t- taking advantage of of matchups is what Slovis is all about, and I think what he'll be able to do, especially if, especially if he has time, but even against a not great D line or pass rush, holding the ball too damn long can can hurt you. Uh, I want to see Slovis maybe follow his first instinct a little bit more. He was very cautious with the football; it paid off, but I think barely against WVU and a little bit too late. You want to be comfortable, and especially you want to be scoring at a consistent clip. You can't start and then stop, have a three and out, then have an 80-yard drive all game long, especially against a team coached by Josh Heupel. So I hope he's coming out like Kenny did last year, ready to really, really gunsling in this game because this is this has shootout written all over it. Yeah, yeah. if you remember last year, you know, Pitt gave up a uh... – 
uh, a punt block for a touchdown uh, at the beginning of that game. There was another uh, uh, shaky turnover on downs towards the beginning. Uh, and Pitt was in a, in a 10-0 hole real quick. Uh, you cannot spot the, uh, this team 10 points. Uh, you, you can't. Uh, you know, continue to try to come from behind like this. Although, although I'm, I'm think I think Slovis can compete in a shootout, but we we cannot put ourselves in that position. I can I think he can too. I could picture it. I could picture how it goes. He's got the receivers to get open all game long. He's got the accuracy. Maybe the X factor is a Banacanda making the the one or two big splash plays that gut the Volunteers. Can they get him on the edge? Can they get him in open space to, to make that big play? Or someone you know with an equivalent speed, which really there isn't, or someone with the playmaking ability. So I think if Mumfield maybe gets in space, he could do it. But it, I think the better and more likely uh, player to do it would be a Banacanda. Does he show up? I like that. He, I heard he said, told Narduzzi, I, I wasn't good today, basically, against WVU. I need to be better. So a lot of a lot on his shoulder and a lot to prove for Izzy in this game too. And I'm looking for a big game from him because they're going to need him to beat the Vols, especially without hot rod. Yep. Yep. Man, I can't wait. The Vols coming to town, pit one and oh, looking to remain undefeated and, and live up to all those standards that Desmond Howard has set for them as a contender for the national title, or at least for a playoff appearance from the ACC, man, they are still talking about pit winning that backyard brawl. Vince, they're still talking about Pitt as a national contender, but most of it on the internet is is really focused on, uh, I mean, some of the more ridiculous things, and that's what we love about a big game like that. People say the most absurd things after a backyard brawl, especially on the Pitternet. Can you explain what internet is? I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets, and to all those faceless keyboard warriors on Twitter, we're a good dog football team. I'm proud of these guys. Pittsburgh Bobby on Panther Lair. Good for HCPN. He sticks up for every part of the pit program. He is a pit man through and through. You can't ask your players to go out and fight for you and not fight in support of them. He is transforming from a player's coach to the university's coach. Yeah, I, I agree with Pittsburgh Bobby here. Uh, you know, pit pit fans certainly get a whole lot of flack for you know not supporting their team and and you know they 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 turned up for that game and to hear all that stuff before it started about you know seventy five percent and all that nonsense that was just not flat out not true was ridiculous and and good on 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 pit good on Pat Narduzzi for for telling it like it is. Yeah, and also for our uh, pit fans that aren't uh, lurking on the pitternet or posting on the pitternet, HCPN, that'd be head coach Pat Narduzzi. So <laughs> I agree with uh, Pittsburgh Bobby, too. Uh, I loved it. Um, I don't see where you could criticize Pat Narduzzi for criticizing the BS reports. That's that's like really upsetting to fans. I mean, that's all we were talking about at the tailgate. Like That, that, that kind of ruined the tailgate almost because then I, it had forced me to be like, all right, now I got to look around to see count how many WVU fans are really here. I want to <laughs> see if this is true. You know, it's it's just rumors, false information. Got to be responsible with it. Whoever reported that, ESPN or whatever, 
uh, Pat Narduzzi saying it on a platform like that. Loved it. Transforming from a player's coach to the university's coach. Uh, yeah, if you want to call it that, he's becoming now the, the face of the of the franchise, if you will. Uh, Pat Narduzzi becoming synonymous with pit football, and I dig it the most because uh, he's a fun guy to, to watch, to cover, to root for, and uh, he's doing well right now. So hopefully it continues, and Alabama doesn't steal him, of course. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, you know, with all the topsy-turviness of, you know, coaches switching teams and Pitt had its chair, you know, this is a guy that that's, you know, uh, proved to be fairly stable and and you know he's willing to stick up for his team pat 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 wm koval on vallsnation.com says vols have never beaten pit good gosh enough is enough we're not talking texas or ohio state it's pit for heaven's sake what the hell is texas doing in there in this take <laughs> Say a team that's good. Say <laughs> Alabama, Georgia. Hell, you could even say Michigan over Texas in this in this take. WM Koval. Texas? Pitt's yeah. better than Texas. Pitt's <laughs> better than Ohio State right now. We won by more points, didn't we? Or did they did they almost come? Uh, no, they won. I by think more it was points. about the same. Um but I I mean, yeah. First of all, Pitt and Tennessee have only played a few times. So <laughs> there's not a large sample size Good here. Gosh. I don't know how many times they've played Texas or Ohio State. Uh, you know, I'm guessing probably the last times these teams played were probably in the 80s. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, last year when Pitt was very good. <laughs> you know, this is why the Vols are the Vols that are the Vols right now, and they're not the Vols of the 90s or the early 2000s. Because you're focused on beating Pitt and saying, good gosh, we can't beat Pitt, when you should be saying, good gosh, we can't beat Georgia or Florida or Alabama. Come on, get your head straight, Vols fans. We, we want you to do well. I mean, we want, want to beat you, but you, you need to get your act together if you even want to get on Pitt's level here. Heaven's hey, sake. Yeah. <laughs> Voltaism on VolsNation.com. I just watched the pit replay, and I didn't see a top 25 team. Their rating is based on last year's success. UT by 10 to 14 points. Uh, you know, I could see if you have a huge disrespect for the Big 12 and WVU, but a lot of people do. A lot of people have that. And then you watch the game and see Pitt play them that closely. Uh, maybe you think, oh, they're not a top 25 team. But again, this take is stupid. It makes no sense. That is the backyard brawl. E teams, even when they are facing an a rival opponent that is on a down year, you're going to have close games against them sometimes. Ask WVU back when they lost 13-9. You know, the, the backyard <laughs> brawl is different. The rankings don't matter. So good luck if you're paying attention to that from that game tape. But it won't matter come this Saturday, I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is, uh, you know, it was the first game. And I, I maybe if you'd been, you know, living in Siberia with no access to newspapers or magazines, you, you may say something like that. Uh, but, you know, it, Pitt, a lot of the players on this team were, were the ones that beat them last year. Uh, yes, we did not play great in that first game, uh, but you know, you know, still won. 
and, and you know as much uh, as much uh, criticism as we provided for, for this offense, they, the offense still scored 31. Uh, the defense still made big plays when they had to. Uh, so I, I, by far from a horrible performance, uh, it, it was no 59 not, uh, nothing over Ball State. Uh, so uh, I, I just don't see. Uh, I, I, how you could criticize it. I mean, maybe, maybe if you only saw part of this game and, and I don't you didn't well, see him at all last year. Or you're looking at it from that side of it because I could equally, you know, easily combat you with this argument. Wow, Pitt sure looked like a top 25 team. They played like dog shit and still beat WVU. I mean, it, they, they made all these mistakes. Their quarterback took five sacks. They, they had injuries to keep players. They only had one tight end who they, and they, Conserve playing their actual tight end. Can you believe they went out there and WVU torched them all on the ground and just decimated them every time they handed it's, the ball it, off? And Pitt still won. How'd they do it? They're a top 25 team. Obviously, they're good players, good team, good coach. It, it seems like they're just trying to speak it into existence, I guess. It, I, I don't know. Whatever <laughs> helps you sleep at night, Voltaism, whatever helps you get to Saturday, because that's when the reality will bite you and it will show. It is a top 25 team. And according to some national people, even a top four team at the end of the year. And that's what they're saying on the Pitternet. A lot more craziness, but we had to whittle it down there, Vince. I know you had a lot more, but I want to get back to reality. The reactions to the backyard brawl around the stadium, walking out of that place afterwards with you. I mean, hearing what people were saying, it was it was for heaven's sake. That was like being in heaven here and yeah, a, a wild scene. <laughs> Absolutely, a great time, an all-time great time. Remember it for the rest of my life. People talking about it, but you know what? People still think that game could have been better for Pitt, if not for a few minor changes to the roster. I think we'll figure out what that exactly is by finding out what they're talking about around town. Another Saturday coming, and the Panthers are playing. Time to find out what the answers are saying. Dude, if we had Kenny, we win that game by three touchdowns. Oh, if we had Palco, we win by four. Hail to Pitt. What the answers are saying. So that's what the answers are saying. Uh, still some, some room for improvement, obviously is what, is what people are feeling about that backyard brawl, but that's, that's in the rear view mirror now, Alan, uh, we'll, we'll see those cats again next year. It's all focused on, on the volunteers. Uh, but before we get to that final, uh, prediction, I want to talk to you about some other big games and some major changes to this you know, playoff situation that, uh, that Desmond Howard has predicted. Oh, college football. Don't you dare be acting like the regular season will matter forever. It was bound to change, and then the change is coming. And it's it might be coming sooner than you think. I mean, that's got to get whittled out. But the expanded playoff, Vince, my goodness. Pitt's definitely going to be a perennial favorite to get to the playoff now. 12 teams. Yeah, I, I mean, it just just wild. I don't know when these games are going to be played. I, I guess I'm kind of interested in that. Uh, but uh, it, it's just remarkable. Um, Pitt would have been in this playoff, Alan, last year. Uh, I'm not saying they would have won it. I'm just saying they would have been in it. And I think they would have had a very good shot at beating 
uh, the majority of teams that would have been in it. Because uh, you know Kenny Pickett would have been playing in the in those games, Alan. Oh, of course, uh, yeah. Th- see, so- ma- this was why they had to do it because of guys like mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett and other great college players who are just not playing in these bowl games in December and January. And you know, they you might be right about that. that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely need to do this for the but, revenue streams uh, for the NCAA and the uh, TV but, partners. But, but overall, I do not like this at all. There is way too many teams in, involved. Twelve is just way too many. Like. For example, that Michigan-Ohio State game last year, as great as it was, it would have been essentially a meaningless game. I mean, I understand the 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 rivalry aspect, you know, the the fan bases, you know, for those teams want to win. But from an observer from the outside, I'm looking at that game being like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter who wins. Maybe it matters for who's going to get a bye in the playoff, I guess. But both teams are going to be in it. They're going to play each other again down the road. Uh, for what the real, you know, the real game. So I, I overall, this is, I, I think this is bad for the sport. It's, it's, a, it's a catch 22. It's, I wouldn't say it's all bad. It, there are, there is some good, like here's the brighter side because now 12 teams will be getting in the college football playoff when I, I just feel like there's more incentive to pay, to spend, and there's more money coming in. So that means when Alabama comes calling Pat Narduzzi, we might be able to keep him, Vince, because Pitt's going to be seeing that, oh, we could be a playoff team all the time. So I think we got a good shot at keeping Pat. And, of course, Pitt's got a good shot at being on the national stage a lot more uh, with the expanded playoffs. So you you see that. And also, while the regular season will be diminished, uh, it it makes for, if you get in the playoff, big, big moments, moments we've never seen and maybe can't even fathom for college football, uh, tournament style being played. Uh, It's going to be really intense, and I look forward to that. But, yeah, this is a money grab. This is a reaction to kind of where the winds are blowing in college football. And, honestly, it might have been necessary because no one gives a damn about a bowl game if it's not in in the college football playoff, really. Yeah. Unless you're a fan of that university, die hard. It it will provide more games of meaning at the in the postseason, but yes, but maybe not the regular season. Exactly, exactly, and that's what they care about because that's where the money is. Everybody's watching the regular season anyway, and you know the backyard brawl will still be fun, and and we definitely know that it'll it'll only matter that week because there's no chance of the two teams playing each other in the playoff because WVU won't be getting there. So let's move on to this week's college football. Alabama against that team that, man, it's not like Pitts, Texas, but Texas is playing Alabama and they're at home. Dogs by 20 in Austin. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we're going to find out how good this Quinn Ewers and, and Texas team really is. And I, I do not think that they are ready for this, <laughs> this Saturday, a big noon kickoff, Alan, uh, I, I think Alabama is going to, going to crush this team. I think they're going to, you know, I, it seems like this is something Nick Saban would be angry about and he's going to come out there and, and win this game game big, I think. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not going, I'm not rocking with the pro football focus uh, this year, Vince. So I'm not going to have those advanced analytical looks at the, at the lines going into games, but I don't need it to know that Alabama is covering this game. The Texas quarterback, Quinn Ewers, you mentioned him, looks like like he 
pump gas at a Texas at a Bucky's, uh, <laughs> or or he was just like like a nineteen seventies gas station attendant. That's what he looks like to me. Uh, he may have. Great. I, I it's a great I, haircut. I, yeah, and he may be good in time, but I don't think he's ready for for what's going to be happening this he's, Saturday. He's got the baby face look, a guy you want to root for, a guy that could be a big star if he makes it big in this game. Don't see it happening, though. Hell no. Not against the Alabama. I mean, look at the pressure that's got to be on him here. I mean, you got Arch Manning breathing down your neck. Uh, you better you better come out ready to play. Uh, this is and, and Texas has some good skill position players. There's no doubt about that. But uh, are they going to are they blocking? You know, Will Anderson and all those guys. I I don't think so. Yeah, Bijan Robinson's going to need a, a lot of help to stand out in this game. Uh, definitely Alabama to cover the 20. We got Kentucky, number 20 in the nation, our yep. five-and-a-half-point dogs at number 12, Florida, who beat your Pac-12 champion, Utah Utes. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, a, a tremendous game from Anthony Richardson, uh, an unranked Florida team, now ranked 12th in the nation by the Associated Press. Uh, I, I am, I am not on this Kentucky team at all this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they struggled a little bit with, uh, with Miami of Ohio last week. I, I don't, the score didn't really indicate it. Um, but uh, I, I do not think they're that good. Now is Florida going to have a lot left after that performance la- last week? Uh, w- we'll see. Um, but I, I do think they're going to get by the Wildcats. And I, I think at home they, they could beat them by, by more than the number. Oh yeah, by a touchdown at least. I got I got the Gators by a touchdown. Not that I want to see it, but uh, there there's something about uh, Billy Napier. He knows how to tap into uh, talent, but also the crowd. Uh, I yeah. think Florida is going to be a tough place to play now. Moving forward with him in that role, uh, a really big win for them against Utah last week. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I I've just I did we pick that game last week. That I pick, we did, and I picked Florida. I think we both picked Florida. Yeah. Okay. But you still have Utah winning the Pac-12. You, th- you think that damages them at all? They could still win the Pac-12. I, I mean, I, they I, can. But I think I, they're kind I, of I, they're kind of exposed in that game to me. I I, I don't. Uh, that was a different kind of. Uh, they're not used to hanging out in swamps. I know, but are, when they go to Hollywood, are they going to be able to hang out with the Hollywood 69ers or however many they scored, 66? SC looked real last week, even though they're playing a scrub in Rice. <laughs> I like. I think I might like SC now for the Pac-12. That's another question, though. Got to move on to Baylor, the team that's ending the Big 12, number nine in the country, three-point dogs at number 21 BYU. Yeah, maybe there's something I don't know about this, but uh, I I think they're going to be ending BYU this 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 year. Uh, BYU going to the Big Twelve, Allen. They're, they're going to get a taste of what they're up against here. Uh, I I think Baylor is a really good team, strong in the trenches on both sides, uh, and and you know better than BYU, and that's why I think they're going to come out of this this game with a victory. I, I'm a little surprised that that Baylor is an underdog of, of three here. But I, I am going to go with the Bears in this game. Yeah, nice, nice late game here. Yeah, uh, Baylor and BYU. Ten thirty is that what time it kicks off? Yeah, yeah, kicking off real late. Um, but 
you know, I think this is a, a, a test here for BYU. Are you up to the, to the challenge of the grueling Big 12 schedule where you're playing teams that are basically your equivalent every week? Pretty even matchup, I think, especially with BYU getting to be the home team. But I like Baylor to win, obviously. I, I picked them to win the Big 12. I think they could play a team that's coming into the Big 12 in the future and handle them as well. I'm going to say they win by, give me, I'm going to say six, which okay. is, which is uh, a, 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 a cover the other way around. So they're dogs by three. I think they're going to flip it all the way around. They're going to handle this game fairly easy in that regard. Um, okay. But uh, I mean, BYU's coming in there. They don't. They don't have. They don't have the beef. They don't have the beef for Dave Aranda's team. They don't have it. Sorry, um, but let's bring it to the most important game of the week, number twenty-four. Tennessee Volunteers, six and a half point favorites at number seventeen. Pitt at a Creature Stadium. Creatures lurking in the rivers. As Tennessee arrives as favorites to the place formerly known as Heinz Field, Vince. Yeah, yeah. Th- this line, I-, I saw it at three and a half or four, actually. Uh, but, you know, in some of those early preseason lines, Alan uh, opened up at four and a half uh, at the Circa, and it's been bet up to six and a half here. I saw it, at, I saw it as much at seven at, at some places, uh, and it's, it seems to have gone, gone back down to six and a half here and i'm seeing a total of 66 points alan 66 points 66 and a half at caesars 66 and a half at the rivers uh so uh and at the golden nugget it looks like uh, this uh, there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game uh, i i think on both sides for sure uh i think both teams are scoring over 30 in this game, and it is going to be a uh, nail biter. I think it's going to come down uh, to the very end. Pitt is going to be giving up some big plays in this game. That's just the nature uh, of the, this Josh Hypo offense. That's just the cost of doing business, I, I would say, is what's going to happen. Uh, there's going to be some bad penalties on third down. It's just something we're going to have to live with. But I think uh, in the end, the defense is going to make enough plays. And I think Slovis uh, is going to really improve. I I think this line here, uh, the six and a half points, to me is a reaction of how good Tennessee looked in their opening game and how how shaky Pitt looked uh, in their opening game. I mean, as much as we talked about, you know, missed opportunities and stuff, it's it's possible Pitt could have lost that game. Uh, It came down to the fourth quarter. Um, so I, I think, you know, this is just a, a reaction of, of us not playing that great, uh, and Tennessee playing good, but I think, I think Pitt is going to be able to correct a lot of the stuff that went wrong, uh, and execute better on offense, uh, better assignment football, staying in your lanes on defense, uh, making a big enough plays and, and against a quarterback like hooker, uh, Pitt has shown the ability to beat those kind of guys. And I think they're going to do it again this Sunday, this Saturday, 3.30 ABC, two undefeated teams, a Johnny Majors classic. I cannot wait to see it. And I'll go with a score of 44 to 42. Okay. I, I Very much in my ballpark. I like that. 
Uh, I think it's total disrespect, nonsensical to be uh, making pit the dogs like this, but even by th- by this much, but even the dogs at all in this game. And I'm not just coming from a homer perspective. Tennessee played Ball State last week. It's not like Tennessee has some world beater transfer or freshman on their team that has made them so drastically different from last year. It is not like they went through the ringer and improved so much since their loss to Pitt that they need to be respected coming into town to be favored this way. I don't see how this is possible other than someone watched that game and saw Keaton Slovis play and thought he was terrible. I, I don't know how you could watch the game and think it that, that way. He was very conservative in that game and still threw for 300 yards, plus had a big touchdown in a, in a key moment and led the team to victory. He was he was very much a leader on the field. The defense very much made big plays when they needed him. They're still the same pit team. People say this ranking is just based on last year. Well, no, duh. They have a lot of the same players from last year. They yeah. had the same coach from last year. They there's these two teams played each other last year. So for the line to be this very very disrespected, Vince, don't I don't see it. How how it it could be even explained? And, and you know, Coach, coach Narduzzi's playing this up all week. Good. You, you know they're gonna say, hey, listen, you know. You guys didn't play that good. You're getting disrespected here. Uh, last year, last year, every time you had a big win, you followed it up with a loss. Here, you know, you got extra days to prepare. You know, you're you're you, you better uh, get your act together. Or you're going to lose. Yeah, yeah. This nobody's giving you a chance. He, he's playing all of that <laughs> this week, and that's exactly how he likes it. And I think that's exactly how this team likes it too. They're going to play to to the very end. Uh, in order to win this ball game, hey, you could tell me I'm drinking HCPN's uh, uh, Kool Aid. I might be all about Nards and his Kool Aid, but he's right. This is disrespect, and they're coming in here. And the price of doing business is a high-scoring game against Josh Heupel's teams and these Tennessee Volunteers for sure. But when you're coming into Pat Narduzzi and Pitt's house a week after the brawl, they're going to take care of town business. They're going to take care of this team because they know how to do it. The blueprint is in Pat's hands to beat this guy and his team. Yep. He knows yep. how to do it. Exactly. And he's going to do it again. I got the score. Pitt winning 39-38. A barn oh. burner. A shootout. A nail biter. But you know what? It's far from the Vols covering, and they're not winning. Pitt 2-0, baby. Hell, oh. Pitt. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, if that happens, we're going to be talking a whole, whole, whole lot next week about about the heights that that Desmond Howard thinks this team can do. <laughs> and I, it's exciting, but I'm kind of upset. It's already almost over. The exciting part of the <laughs> the schedule. I wouldn't say that, Alan. We still got Rhode Island coming up on the schedule, New a revenge game against uh, Western Michigan. But all that does not yeah. matter. All that matters right now is this Saturday, 3.30, ABC uh, against Tennessee Volunteers, a ranked matchup non-conference at Heinz Field. First time an SEC team coming up coming up uh, to Pittsburgh to play, to play a collegiate football game. It is going to be something to see. you got to be there. It is going to be a hell of a game, a hell of an atmosphere. This is really what it's all about for Pitt's season here to really put their stamp and say, hey, we are still here. And that last year was not a fluke. And if you're going to the game, tailgate hard, cheer hard, show some respect to those volunteer fans making their way all the way up to the north and have yourself a good time. 
And if you can go to the bathroom in a, in a toilet and not behind a dumpster, <laughs> you know, saw a lot of that at the brawl, but again, I it think, was the brawl. I, I think the Tennessee fans will be a little bit more civilized. Just, just make sure you, you hydrate and you relieve yourselves in a timely fashion. And don't miss any of this game. Pitt and Tennessee, Vince. Let's go. We've broken it down. The stage is set. I'm not going to the game. I know you're very upset about this. I'm, I wish, I wish I could, but it's, I'm just so honestly, I'm, I'm beat up from that bro. I got, (laughs) it's been a while since I've been involved in anything like that. That was very intense. And and this, this, this game ain't going to be for the faint of heart either. No, this will be a lot more exhilarating. This is going to be a high flying, high wire act. So yes, please be ready. If you wear a pacemaker, uh, be very, very cautious watching the game and everybody really enjoy Pat Narduzzi while he's still here before Alabama scoops him up. <laughs> Got anything left to say, Vince? Hail to pit, everybody. All right. You can follow us at H2P show on Twitter. Hail to pit podcast at gmail.com. If you want to email us, thanks to pretty easy podcast for helping produce this week's program. We'll be back next week to recap Pitt, Tennessee. And of course, look forward to the next game. And of course, next up on the slate, no, 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 it is not New Hampshire. It is a rematch against those Western Michigan Broncos on the road in Kalamazoo. You going next week, Fitz? Uh, no, I don't have any plans for Kalamazoo. Okay, good. Well, I have plans to win the game at the very least, but got to get by Tennessee first, everybody. Enjoy it. And like Vince said, hail to pit, everybody. Hail to pit, everybody.